Hello Rebels, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. My guest tonight is Marty Gold from the J.ca. Now if you like listening to the show, then you will love watching it, but in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my excellent show, if I do say so myself, as well as other great TV-style shows too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe that's podcast just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member and please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast those reviews are a great way to support rebel news without ever having to part with a penny and now please enjoy this free audio only version of my show Does the city of Winnipeg have its very own version of progressive mayor Nahid Nenshi? Sure looks that way. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. I talk a lot about Edmonton and Calgary on the show First of all, because they're closer to home for me, but also because I hate to see these great entrepreneurial metropolises destroyed by progressive municipal policies. However, Alberta cities aren't the only cities suffering this swing to progressivism on the prairies. Turns out Winnipeg just might be as bad. Powerful Winnipeg city councillors are already advocating for increased spending on climate change policies. And a far left-wing city councillor is also looking to replicate Toronto by calling for a handgun ban. What the heck is happening to our prairie cities? To discuss these issues and his ongoing coverage of Western Canadian Jewish issues, that's a hard one to say, is independent Winnipeg journalist Marty Gold from the J.ca in an interview we recorded yesterday afternoon. From Winnipeg, slightly less cold than it is here at home, is my friend, independent Winnipeg journalist, Marty Gold. Marty, thanks for joining me. Let's talk about local stuff off the hop for you. Sure. Um, at The Rebel, we don't get to talk about a lot of local Winnipeg stuff, so I like to rely on you. I talk a lot about Edmonton, a lot about Calgary, but um, Winnipeg is right in the mix with their own, um, I guess their own Nenshi, um, Mayor Bowman. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's developed a, uh, a, in the, and it should have been more of an issue in the last election, but he's managed to pervert the, the city of Winnipeg act and that he's formed a political party without calling it that made up of his appointees to the committee chairs. The committee chairs then form a committee of the, it's not of the whole, a committee of the, of, of the powerful, 
called the Executive Policy Committee. So you'll have the uh, chair of public works, the chair of uh, parks and development, which involves the cops. You get the idea. Yeah. And these chairs, six chairs, along with Bowman, form a caucus of seven that will then steer matters as they come up through the committee and other processes towards the city council agenda. He has appointed uh, what he's done and uh, towards the end of his last term and in this term is he appoints a deputy mayor and an acting deputy mayor and they get to sit in on these meetings with these other chairs and it has created a caucus of nine, a majority of council and the council has 16 members and this is controlling things. And it's not just a question of controlling agendas. It's also a question of access to information. And so if uh, your counselor is on the outs, your counselor is expected to ask a department head for information uh, about, uh, uh, you know, about, uh, you know, some breakdown in your neighborhood. And you may or may not ever get an answer. And this is, of course, ridiculous that you can't get answers through the committee heads the committee chairs but rather you're supposed to go back through the department like you're a glorified plebe and there are uh, council members who've been on executive policy committee in the past uh, who are now on the outs and who uh, are very vocal about how um, you know about how discriminatory this is towards the voters of Winnipeg and the best example I can give you is and I haven't made a stink of this locally here yet because I really haven't done much journalistically yet so far this year uh, the east side of the city, Transcona, East Kildona, North Kildona, are not on EPC, and there are repeatedly decisions that are being made that are contrary to the best interests of that entire district, and not just in terms of the EPC side, but at committee where these EPC members are are steering and guiding development decisions in neighborhoods. So the councillors may, in one instance, vote against an amendment to the development plan, uh, in a particular part of the district. And then at committee, uh, Brian Bowman's uh, acolytes decided to overturn it. Uh, but if you did that in their own wards, they would crap themselves. And one of them as much said so uh, in a debate after the, the vote I'm referencing where something else came up and the councillor said, well, this would take away my, my, my uh, authority in my own ward and I don't like this. And it's a, b- a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, Bowman, like Nancy, is very big on the on the fluff very big on the hand-holding, not very good when it comes to managing a pocketbook. Uh, Bowman, uh, you know, late in in his first campaign, began describing himself as a small businessman. And I've made the point repeatedly, I've never heard of a a lawyer with a small practice (laughs) in the specialty field of privacy law. There's no evidence that he ever made any kind of substantive dent. Uh, I know myself that I've done things in using freedom of information requests that have changed government policies, changed government practices, that's exposed serious issues within government, whether it was the use of whiteout to change rules uh, for entry to the boxing and wrestling uh, licensing realm, or whether it was uh, exposing Eric Robinson, the deputy premier's uh, latent racism about white do-gooders. I don't know that Brian Bowman ever did anything in the realm of privacy or privacy laws that affected any genuine social change, but he touts that as a way of saying, I'm a lawyer, or I was a lawyer, uh, and uh, on top of that, he claims that because he was a partner in a firm, uh, that somehow that made him a small businessman. So he lives in a world of illusion, he does. Uh, and uh, part of this is the illusion of transparency with a budget process where meetings are scheduled concurrent to other committee meetings that councillors have to attend. So while you can come to committee, you can ask the department heads and the subheads about their the budget line items for uh, you know snow clearing or this or that. 
But in fact, you, the counselors don't have equal and equitable access because they have other obligations they have to attend to. Yeah, and you know, uh, you and I were talking yesterday. Winnipeg has some very real problems um, that need to be addressed instead of this, you know, petty squabbling and arguing at the uh, city administration level. 44 murders in 2019 and two more already. And instead of dealing with the, I hate to say root causes because it sounds like such a Trudeau word, but instead of dealing with the reasons why there are 44 murders happening in 2019, you've got counselors in Winnipeg who are trying to replicate the lack of success dealing with the murder problem in Toronto by introducing uh, a, a gun ban in Winnipeg. Well, and you and I, again, we were talking off camera, this sort of stuff might fly in Toronto, where you can go your entire life without ever really leaving Toronto or the big city. But people in Winnipeg, you're maybe one generation away from the farm. You understand, you know people who don't live in the city. Um, and so, you know, people understand that this kind of stuff really doesn't do anything to address the problem with gun violence and crime. Uh, well, this is, a, again, an example of one of these woke counselors. Sherry mm -hmm. Rollins uh, was the uh, was a Winnipeg school trustee who became chair of finance. And if I'm remembering correctly, under her term as chair of finance at the school uh, Winnipeg School Division, uh, we saw the highest tax rates increases ever. Uh, she's highly woke. There isn't a, a seemingly a minority group that she won't find a way of identifying with tangentially one way or the other in her so-called lived experience. Um, she's she's that kind of a person. The the murder that uh, uh, got Rollins deciding that she could uh, you know uh, plug a dime into her headline generator uh, occurred at the uh, Windsor Hotel. Now the Windsor Hotel up until a couple of years ago, although it's an old it's an old hotel and it's getting run down. Uh, it's in downtown Winnipeg, and it's Kitty Corner, literally Kitty Corner, the new, the location of the new police station, the former uh, downtown post office. And the last couple of years, the Windsor's gotten to be a much rougher. It's attracted a much rougher crowd. It always attracted a sort of a questionable crowd as a blue became a uh, had achieved some fame as a blues bar. Uh, and uh, the hotel itself is a like a, you know, probably the level one step above a flea bag. Uh, but the last couple of years, it's become a more dangerous place to be around. It's attracted uh, more of a of a disreputable clientele. That's also because gradually a lot of the previous hotels in Winnipeg uh, that uh, maybe uh, had some of that kind of traffic go through it, that those places have disappeared. And so there's fewer and fewer places for the schutzim to show up. So the Windsor's had uh, a, a few problems. Late Saturday night, as in early Sunday morning, around 2.30 in the morning, there was some kind of altercation. Police believe that there was two larger groups. I assume that they were in the bar and leaving. Uh, and in the course of this altercation, somebody shot somebody, and uh, a fellow named Yassin Abu Ahmed was killed. He's a 20-year-old. And right away, uh, you know, people jumped to some conclusions uh, based on, on the name of the deceased. But from my research into the deceased and from what I've seen, this was an example of actually a success story in terms of a family that came from uh, the uh, proverbial war-torn Somalia, uh, was dumped in, I think, Khartoum, uh, emigrated uh, to Canada as refugees, and this kid was a basketball coach. He was on basketball, championship basketball teams. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with his name. 
I looked at his picture. I can't say I recognized it, but he was involved in the Spence Neighborhood Association, the West Broadway Association. So this was a really good kid. Now, this part of downtown is falls under the ward boundaries of Sherry Rollins, who represents uh, Fort Rouge. I, I don't even remember now if it's Fort Rouge, East Fort Gary still. They might have changed that ward boundary last time around. Uh, so it it falls in her ward. Uh, so this gives her standing to, uh, to flap her gums. And so she decides that it's time to insist on a handgun ban and that she wants the feds to implement it swiftly. Obviously, an intelligent thought has not gone through her head in regards <laughs> to this matter. Um, and, and she's getting called out, but good online, uh, starting with uh, the question of ha- handgun bans. Now, have they tried that somewhere like uh, Chicago? Yeah. Baltimore. Uh, the, the controversy wasn't so much her, her saying this, although she is the first Winnipeg politician to try to make hay. I mean, Mayor Bowman has said he favors a handgun ban, but that was not in, in relation to a, any kind of municipal order or anything like that. But yesterday at the police press conference, uh, Constable Rob Carver, who's a hell of a smart cop and a good guy, uh, Rob just shot this down immediately, that this will make no impact on their workload. They are not seeing murders committed with legally obtained firearms in the possession of the illegal owners. Uh, there was, I think, six shooting deaths last year in Winnipeg, and I'm, and I'm not sure they were all handguns. Some of these would have been shotguns, uh, perhaps improvised devices. Uh, it is simply not a big problem in Winnipeg, and Winnipeggers recognized that uh, a handgun ban uh, is is not responsive to what's going on on the streets. Now, if Sherry Rollins wanted to demonstrate some something other than political opportunism, which I realize might be kind of tough for, given that she, you know, she directly referenced John Tory. If she was smart, she'd be calling for a ban on machetes. Yeah. Because when you've seen this raft of store robberies in Winnipeg, the liquor store uh, invasions, there were machetes in use, uh, used in those. Cab drivers threatened with machetes. Uh, and Winnipeg does not have a, you know, a machete culture, uh, if you want to talk about gun culture in the West and whatever, which yeah. I, by the way, believe it, it certainly exists and is justifiable. Um, there's no machete culture in Winnipeg, not even among the Filipino community. You know, like it's it's nonsense. Now, there's something that Sherry Rollins could propose, a ban on the sale of machetes in Winnipeg. I'm pretty certain that that would fall under the jurisdiction of city council. Uh, they restrict the sale of, uh, of uh, 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 spray paint. Uh, the sale of, uh, of uh, rubbing alcohol is restricted in Winnipeg. I don't know if that's by a civic convention or just something the police recommended. But if you ban the sale of machetes, that would actually go a lot further to protecting public safety in Winnipeg. And more Winnipegers would get behind it. Because they don't, they would understand. They understand that, but Rollins, you know, the, the the money quote from from the CBC interview was, "I have a very different job than Constable Carver. He deals every day with downstream impacts of gun crime. My job is making sure I'm doing crime prevention through social development <laughs> in the city." Um, I, I, how social development is the is the main job of a city councilor? is is hard to identify and carver's 
uh, quote response was, it might make some people feel good, but it will not change the threat level one iota. And so today there's, uh, you know, some of the, the woke crowd continues to uh, fall behind this great idea and they're getting picked off on Twitter by some of the uh, common sense crowd. Yeah. And if they are mentioning Chicago or, or Baltimore <laughs> or some other place, uh, they're pointing out that this is, uh, uh, you know, very much a stay in your lane kind of, uh, of situation. Well, that's a good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk to you about because it is, you know, woke people wanting to ban things. And it comes ironically from the Winnipeg Free Press, which I guess their name is also ironic because they wrote an op-ed that um, was unsigned, which I thought was kind of interesting, um, that they want to censor so-called climate deniers, which I suppose would include me, um, because I just don't believe that taxes change the weather. It's unless it's for the well, worse. Well, not I've been waiting, but you know, our taxes go up, and the weather here certainly <laughs> hasn't changed to, to you know any any great extent. It was a bizarre editorial. This editorial irked a lot of people um, because even people that are environmentalists, uh, and there are a number of environmentalists in Manitoba who do not agree with various climate change practices and policies. Some of these ideas are backwards, even with regards to Lake Winnipeg. And Councillor Klein, Councillor Nason, uh, wanted uh, steps taken that could more immediately reduce the phosphorus level in the in the uh, in the lake. And this met with opposition because immediate action isn't as sexy as the longer term. Yeah, built the taxpayers for a lot more billions. Um, so. I'm surprised the free press didn't get even more blowback from that editorial than they did, but I think the fact that it became unsearchable very quickly might have helped quell the uh, quell the fires. But uh, again, coming from a newspaper that uh, in in the last ten or fifteen years has become you know increasingly attached to lib to uh, federal liberal governments, federal liberal causes, uh, it's it's just it's just very it's just very disappointing if they if they. Uh, I you can run an editorial, but if it isn't strong enough for you to let it stand, and 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 it's also remarkable coming from a newspaper that again ten or twelve ten years ago or so came out strongly against the CRTC censoring a particular radio program in the East or I yeah. think in Quebec. Uh, so they're all for free speech uh, unless it's you know on in their pages, and, and then it's like uh, we don't want to hear so-called climate denial. Uh, in our newspaper, and it shouldn't be heard anywhere else by our newspaper. Eh, fat chance. That actually moves us into the next uh, thing I wanted to talk to you about, because it is a free speech issue. Um, everybody has the right to protest, um, and um, you also have, you, you have a secular life, but you also have um, a non-secular job with the J.ca, I think Western Canada's leading Jewish journalism. Um, and you guys went down to cover the protest at the U.S. consulate, and off when you know when you sent me some notes, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, they went to cover the protest at the U.S. consulate. They must be protesting for Iranian freedom. They must be, you know, siding with the U.S. It, less of a protest and more of a rally. But I'm dead wrong, aren't I? <laughs> Uh, I just want to make clear to the audience, I didn't go down there, uh, okay, but Ron East, our publisher, did with did, uh, yeah. with uh, some some other individuals. Uh, I was uh, uh, indisposed that day. The pro that was an interesting 
uh, that was an interesting uh, uh, event in the way that it it came together. The Winnipeg Peace Alliance was at the forefront of it. It's uh, basically uh, uh, a wing of the Communist Party is a good way of putting it. Um, and uh, they uh, went to the police and city officials and said, we're going to be doing this. We don't have money for permits. But we're going to do it anyways. And they wanted to originally rent a, a flatbed and put speakers, uh, uh, you know, sound equipment on the flatbed mm-hmm. and have speakers. Because you can't go in front of the U.S. consulate. It's in a, a high rise. Let's and be so- clear here, though. They were protesting the American, well, Donald I mean, Trump. Yes, American imperialism. Yeah, k- turning Soleimani to hamburger. One of the yeah. worst terrorists the world has ever known. They were there yeah. to protest that. Yes, and- that was their intention. They were not there to protest. There's no, you cannot find a mention in Winnipeg media of the, of the uh, same as you won't see anything in Winnipeg media about the Yellow Vest protests continuing in, in France. You will not see a word in the Winnipeg media uh, about the uh, uh, anti-regime protests that have gone on in Iran. I don't know that a single Winnipeg newsroom mentioned the, 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 the slaughter of, uh, of uh, dissidents, uh, uh, the, the implicit threat to the families of dissidents or people who are sympathetic to dissidents that you're going to be capped next. Uh, you don't hear none of that. And so you got these Michigan that are going to protest the American imperialism. But the problem is that the Iranians kind of spoiled it for them uh, by attacking a civilian airliner. And so it was scaled way back and ended up on the sidewalk with about 50 or 60 people, the usual suspects. Yeah. Um, uh, Ron East uh, attended with a couple of other people. It took about 20 seconds for a protest about, ostensibly, about uh, Iran, about uh, the will of the Iranian people, the independence of the Iranian government to make decisions, whatever they think they're in favor of or protesting took about 20 seconds for some jackass to recognize run and say hey why don't you go bomb palestine or something (laughs) every time so yeah every every time the jew haters can't help themselves so you know the the event on saturday was remarkably unremarkable i think it would have been a very different scene uh i there did not seem to be a and people who were opposed to the iranian regime but you can be sure in the broader context that, uh, you know, our conclusion, and, and I say this uh, uh, in part because we were educated, Ron and I, by the best. That would be his father, Yoram Hamizrahi, who knew a, two or a thing or two or three about intelligence gathering and analysis as, uh, among other things, commander of Israeli forces in southern Lebanon. Uh, it's pretty evident that this... Uh, that, how do I put this? The evidence strongly points towards the notion there was somebody on that plane that needed to be eliminated from the regime's point of view. Somebody caring whether it was a chip, whether it was knowledge between their ears. This is in our estimation. We're not experts, don't have any information other than what we've gathered from usual news sources. This is what was up. Is there somebody on that plane they want out? Now you look at the Canadians that died, of whom there's, and this has had a lot of reverb in our country. Because the people that died, none of them have been identified as activists, yeah. rabble-rousers, uh, protesters, um, political organizers. Not one that I've seen so far from Edmonton, from the East, or from Winnipeg. These were um, peaceful, polite, 
normal. highly educated human beings. Yeah. It's the reverb is such that uh, we know somebody who's related to there's a, a mother and, and, and son who died. We know somebody who's related to them through marriage. Yeah. So this reverb around Winnipeg uh, has been just Winnipeg, never mind Edmonton. Yeah. It's been extensive. Uh, and uh, this clearly is a chilling message because, frankly, anybody who leaves Iran to come to North America or presumably the uh, East, the European Union uh, and comes here to be a, a woman scientist yeah. uh, in one case. Right. And a yeah. lot of them were scientists and academics. Yeah. These aren't mullah lovers. No. These 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 are not by any stretch the kind of Islamist, anti-Western, uh, Christian and Jew hating. These are like, for lack of a better term, people that want to have normal lives. These were Canadians. For all intents and purposes, these were Canadians. They came here to be free. They came here to get educated. They came here for a better life. And they died leaving a Tehran airport because sure. the Iranians did it. Yes, and 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 that that anybody in this country, uh, I mean, the one good thing about about the conflict uh, that emerged in uh, in terms of the the uh, U.S. Uh, flexing their muscles, so to speak, it it has drawn a lot of the creeps out of the woodwork. Oh we are, yeah. I, I mean, you've seen it where you are, obviously, in the broader national context, but you can see who the imbeciles are yeah. that don't understand the difference between supporting, you know, the, the sovereign rights of a national state uh, and uh, supporting terrorism, supporting uh, uh, murderous uh, ideologues, uh, unlike Toronto. And the Winnipeg police were certainly concerned they didn't want to, didn't want to have a Toronto situation on their hands. But unlike Toronto, you did not have the same degree of Hezbollah supporting signs. You yeah. know, it was much more muted here yeah. than in Toronto. And uh, it's especially shameful that the Jewish members of the Trudeau cabinet uh, have uh, uh, not raised their voices publicly. Jim Carr, uh, what's the guy from Toronto? Michael Levitt. Uh, nice yeah. guys, yeah. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But they got to speak up about this because... Uh, this affects uh, Jewish and Christian communities in Canada, too. They need to show some leadership, and instead they're showing followership. And it's a disservice to Canadian voters and a disservice to, to Canadians who, who let there be no mistake. And, and uh, uh, this was, is not news to people that have followed this for, for decades. This strain of Islamism in Canada is growing. Uh, they are unchallenged. Uh, and when they feel that they can parade in the streets of Toronto, yeah. chanting, uh, uh, you know, death to America and, and uh, chanting things about the Zionist entity and all that kind of all, all that kind of hate. Uh, and the police stand by and defend def and defend it and portray anybody, you know, even tries to cover it yeah. as being a provocateur. You can see that clearly the police system in Ontario needs a thorough cleansing with bleach. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Um, I want to talk to you about something else that you guys have been covering at the J.ca, and that is this series of, well, you've done a series of stories, two stories, I think, 
about these anti-Semitic faxes. So it's like going back in anti-Semitic time um, uh, that are popping up, I guess, in Winnipeg. Well, th this was a bizarre story. It, it, the root of it is in an incident in 2014. Uh, where uh, a fellow who uh, had some very legitimate concerns about the way things were being run at Winnipeg City Hall, uh, and uh, he expressed them, but he he framed his his concerns about uh, sideways land dealings and favored uh, you know favored sales and such things, legitimate concerns that are still being discussed, debated in Winnipeg to this day, uh, including in a civil suit the city has brought up now uh, in relation to the police headquarters. But this guy framed everything through a, the lens of an anti-Semite. I actually have the original Schittler's list. I've never moved it from like within arm's length of my desk here, strangely enough. Uh, and, and it was a, a diatribe about, uh, at the time, uh, Mayor Cates, other people that he's, he was linked to, or, and uh, still is, presumably. whole bunch of any Jewish name that came across any, anything at City Hall during that time period this guy put out something called Schittler's List. Well, lo and behold, a fax had gone around to a number of law offices in Winnipeg uh, where this a fax had been sent around called the uh, 2020 Schittler's List. And this had many, uh, a couple of the same names as the prior list going by memory, but basically, if you were a Jewish lawyer and you'd run into trouble with the Law Society, which happens, to lawyers of all religious background, yeah. your name's on the list. And some of it was in the realm of gossip. Yeah. Uh, lawyers, uh, inappropriate behavior in their law offices. And some of it was just factual. Lawyer, you know, you, you know lawyer Mendel represented so-and-so uh, recently in a court case. Well, okay, that's factual. People are entitled to a defense. Sometimes you do draw judgments on the base of who defense counsel represents. That's true. But basically it's a list of uh, 10, like a top 10 list, like a Letterman list with a variety of names mentioned, as I've illustrated, you know, a lawyer represented some other Jewish guy. And this went around Jewish law offices. That's how we became aware of it. Um, now, uh, this was brought to our attention, not only from the newspaper side, but because at the end of the year of last year, because of incidents, including things like what's going on in Toronto, Ron announced the formation of something called Shomrim, which would be community patrols. Uh, and this would be a response unit. So, for instance, uh, Sheila's garage gets hit with a, some sort of anti-Semitic graffiti. Uh, you, you tell me, uh, granted, you're not in an urban area, but what would you do where you are in Alberta? So your instinct, you yourself, what would you do? You call the cops. What else? I would check the trail cams first to see who did it. <laughs> Most people don't have that option. I know. <laughs> now, you can call Bene Brith, but that isn't really very effective. They'll put out a report about the incident, but they don't do anything. Right. Uh, it's not the way they operate is a good way of putting it. You call the Jewish Federation. Your case would be the Jewish Federation of Edmonton, I guess, or Calgary. Edmonton. They aren't going to do anything. Yeah. Shomrim would come out with a, like a bucket brigade, would take steps to mitigate that, would examine the cameras, if there are, would look around the neighborhood for evidence of other graffiti and would try to try to develop a profile. So Ron announced this at the end of last year, that this initiative, he was going to be undertaking this initiative for community patrols. So that uh, I, at least there's some eyes and ears out there 
not just from a synagogue looking out their door, what's going on, but they would go around Winnipeg at different points. Uh, not takes a half hour to get from one end of the city to the other in terms of where Jewish locations are, and just create a, a presence. And the next thing that happened was he gets contacted like 10 minutes later, this is like quarter after eight in the morning, by a Jewish organization that said they had received a Schittler's list in December the, that was called 2019 and sent us a copy, which I provided to you. So you were able, without knowing who every lawyer was, you recognize, I'm sure, some of the names. Yep. And others you wouldn't have recognized. I did not publish the list. It turns out there was a 2019 list. It was like a dry run. Some of the names got moved around. They moved up or down in the rankings a little bit. Uh, but what we determined was that either of these more recent Schittler's lists were a copycat. It has nothing to do with the guy that put it out in 2014 who was sued for defamation and sanctioned by the courts mm -hmm. and who has been quiet as a church mouse since from our estimation he was you know he's a, a very reactionary uh, uh i think he would be called a far-right kind of guy but he's yeah. kept quiet he doesn't want any more trouble with the cops or the courts and <laughs> he went way too far yeah. so this was designed to look like mm. that original list and a lot of people thought like people literally thought it's him again well, it wasn't. It's actually somebody from the Jewish community who was behind this, who's uh, not had a good experience since immigrating here, has run afoul of various institutions and courts and whatever. And so following the Burmax principle. Yeah. And there's an awful lot of the Burmax, uh, 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 Burmax syndrome going around right now where you have false flags being raised by People that are Jewish, normally Jewish, not necessarily involved in the Jewish community, involved in synagogues, involved with federation, involved with Jewish organizations necessarily, but either as a false flag to stir up stuff to make it seem like anti-Semites are on the run, but really what they're trying to do is uh, settle a few grudges and stir up stuff and, uh, and you know, get their moment of glory uh, without being named. So I can tell you, I'm, I guess that sort of wasn't apparent to you from the look on your face in our correspondence that in fact the source is uh, somebody who immigrated to Winnipeg uh, 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 and who's been on the outs in the Jewish community. There's a, the, one of the longest lists of court litigation I've ever seen on the courts page. And I've seen some long ones, uh, but uh, all sorts of altercations with uh, private alter, uh, not altercations. I mean, physically necessarily, but you know, civil disputes yeah. over money, practices, eligibility. Uh, some of the look, some of the litigation. This individual has been successful in convincing yeah. the court that they're aggrieved, uh, and they're clearly a clever individual. But they they put this out, and and there's no real, you know, there's no positive purpose to it. But it upset a lot of, if I can use the term, old Jews. The older members of our community were very upset by this Schittler's list. Well, yes. And so the first two stories led to an explosion of interest in creating Shomrim programs. And there's more cities than that that have asked, um, uh, that have started asking. But in this case, it seems likely that it's going to be established Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Toronto, Montreal within the next 90 days. And so we got off in terms of the J.ca. Uh, people go to the website, they'll... 
they'll be able to see those stories uh, in terms of the front page, the, the, the news lineup of the, these faxes. And just to read it and, and realize not just how bizarre this is as an acting out exercise, but how bizarre it is um, for somebody to, you know, the police didn't lay a hate ch crime charge because the Winnipeg police don't, their interpretation is that a Jew can't commit a hate crime against the Jewish community. And then as that was breaking out, the next story hit my desk, which was also a total head shaker. Yeah, uh, that, go ahead. You may well, as well get right into it. Um, what was your reaction when you saw that, Sheila? Because we haven't talked about it. The picture yeah. was shocking to see. It, w it was, you know, in this day and age, I can't even believe that these pictures are being taken even as a joke. Mm -hmm. I just, it's so, it was shocking to see it. A Friday afternoon, while we're still working on this uh, copycat fact story a little bit, and there's other things, man, there's stuff going on here that, that we have not yet gotten to. Uh, in the middle of this, Ron says, hang on to your hat. I'm sending you a picture. And he sends me the picture. And I'm looking at it. And it's like, here's this kid playing, like, Gestapo. He's playing dress-up. Yeah. And then, and we've cropped that picture. So it's in an apartment. And there were some things on the wall, nothing bad. But it was a normal, like, very normal, nice-looking residential yeah. Christmas setting. But when I, you look at the picture, you see there's somebody else with their hand, you know, on the kid's shoulder. And the other arm like this, you could see he's somebody's writing, uh, putting seemingly another swastika on the kid's back. So this child, uh, who is, we've learned, uh, barely teenaged. Yep. He's given his camera to some other kid to take a picture. Yeah. He's got a swastika here. The armband, which I thought was an armband, I think was actually drawn on. I think that's color crayon or coloring, like red marker with a very bad swastika on it. So you can tell that the kid, like, tried to do it on his own arm, yeah. and it, it's upside down. So now the other kid jumps in his artist. Yeah. To make a long story short, this child, seemingly without adult supervision, and we, we immediately, you know, Shomrim did its work in terms of research with On the yeah. Ground in Regina. I contributed background research journalistically, trying to put some pieces together. There's no indication that any parents were involved. Uh, the adults that seem to be around this children are well-respected coaches in the Saskatchewan amateur sports scene. Oh, that's a shame. We had to make a decision about what to say, what not to say. Yeah, because it's still a kid, right? Kids do stupid kid. stuff. Yeah. The kid does it. You know, he's, you know, look, you know, latchkey child, Christmas time, yeah, no sure. parents around. Hey, I want to, let's do this. And the next thing you know, the kid is, is deckled in swastikas. Like he's going to go in a, in a march in Skokie or something. Yeah. Um, this child showed, uh, he, he, he got a picture on his phone and he Snapchatted it to other children. And to like his friends. And then his friends showed it to their friends. Yeah. And one of their friends showed it to their mother. Yeah. Who went through the roof. I uh, guess. <laughs> and then the parent, now the parents were stuck and they actually went to Shomrim to Ron and asked,
ask him to get involved in terms of like calling the authorities. And this was a long discussion among a lot of people, including us consulting with a child psychologist about, you know, what do you do? Like, as a reporter, am I going to phone up the father and go, hey, sorry to catch you, you know, before, you know, youth sports practice, but so I can't do that. Yeah, you, this is a family issue, I think. Now, I think well, you're, and you're handling it more carefully than the CBC would. The absolutely. CBC would have doxed everybody in that entire family. 100%. I, I, I agree with you. I, we, we had this on the Friday and sat on it through the weekend. And when we uh, got more information about how this was spreading in Regina, the concern that was being raised, people talking to professionals there, should they go to the, you know, like, what's the order of operations? You go to the school first, you go to the cops first, you go to the whatever child and, child and family services is called yeah. in Regina. This caused a lot of angst yeah. among parents in Regina. I mean, this is a playmate of their, uh, of their own children. Uh, but... We learned that threats, as this started to spread and the reverb happened, mm -hmm. we learned that, a, how do I put this? It wasn't a direct threat, but uh, there was a suggestion that children attending other schools might want to tune up some kids who told their parents. So, you know, at that stage, you can see that this there's a little less childlike innocence behind this and maybe a little more m malevolence uh regardless the matter was reported to police and to school authorities ron is in in communication with some of these uh parents uh in regina and uh i've not yet contacted although by the time as we tape this i've not contacted uh jewish community officials in saskatchewan although you notice no announcement as of yet from them. CBC did not pick up on the story, although a CBC reporter was interested in it. Yeah. CBC, as of today, has not published anything as of, as of this taping. CTV, Leader Post, uh, Star Phoenix, I'm trying to remember what the media outlets are yeah, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Gornished. Hmm. Don't, haven't touched it. Where did this come from? He could have just watched a, a documentary about World War II. Or a video game. He could have watched a video game, you know. I watch all sorts of stuff now on YouTube that I wish I didn't watch uh, <laughs> from World War II. Uh, yeah. And whether it's documentaries, home movie footage, you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, this, in some, it's very disturbing. And, you know, uh, for a, a, a kid, you know, around 8, 9, 10, and they, you don't have parental controls on and they start seeing stuff. Yeah. I, I, I just am saying that. Even in, in our heyday, where World War II was always discussed, it was all over TV shows, uh, wh uh, whether it was shows like, uh, you know, Combat, or yeah. whether it was shows like Hogan's Heroes with, the, you know, trying to put a comic spin on, yeah. on the war, nobody ever thought it would be a good idea to take a marker and start dab painting swastikas all over yourself and give the salute and, and pose for a picture and send the picture around to people. It's yeah. so far removed from the realm of a joke yeah. uh, that that uh, clearly there needs to be, and, I, and I'm not a fan of the, the unnecessary intervention in family business with this by the state. 
Yeah. But obviously there's a, a need for something here and the media in Saskatchewan and across the country, across the country is silent. And I, that re, a, a picture that's that shocking. Yeah. There should be stories about it. Yeah. Is this what's going on in, 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 you know, in other communities in our country where kids have this mistaken belief that it's a good belly laugh yeah. to, 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 to emulate, emulate the, uh, Hitler to the point of painting yourself up like him. It, it's a, there should not be silence from the general media about this, let alone from Jewish federations, etc. So that's how your 2020 started. Let's talk about how your 2019 ended. How was your New Year's? I was getting the finishing touches on a story, on our year-end story, an editorial I wrote. Safety of Canadian Jews in our own hands, not our leaders. And I went through last year about how our institutions in Winnipeg had been been infiltrated. Uh, the, the Limud bringing in this, if not now, uh, rabbi. And then the Social Planning Council bringing in Linda Sarsour and that Winnipeg had been identified as a, a soft target, right? So that uh, anti-Semitism and, and anti-Zionism could be peddled here under the guise of human rights and justice and and uh, whatever. And then the, the Nakba Day march that that was was intercepted and where there was a detente attempted with yeah. the BDS leaders, the Palestinian leaders in Winnipeg and the attacks on, on Hayrut. And I, I particularly focused on a tweet from Ben Freeman on December 29th, the Western post-Holocaust golden age of Jewry is over. This relatively peaceful period was an anomaly in our history of the Jews. And now we are back to normal. We have to recognize this so we are prepared to deal with it. And I firmly believe this. And so the silence of Jewish federations and siege, etc., that this isn't going to serve our purposes. And I went through, you know, some of my own family, my family history, uh, uh, my grandparents and my, and my parents and Jewish institutions and Zionist Federation. Uh, and basically it was a call to action. And, and also in all the branch to Joe Lazer and the Jewish Federation that he thinks that uh, siege is the way to go. And, and we think that institutional um, Jewish community organizational, you know, the way they approach these things, too much diplomacy, not enough action. So at the end of my piece, I'm just finishing it up. And my phone rings. And it's a name comes up on the phone, all in capital letters. So generally, that's a spoof call when it's all capital letters. Most people don't type their own name in in capital letters. So I ignored the call. And I looked the name up. I thought, well, you know, just cases of local. And the name hit with a unique spelling of a first name. And it hit on Facebook of somebody who's a teacher in an inner city Winnipeg school. Well, okay, at the very least, that poor person's being spoofed. And um, I, I'm not very comfortable with this, with the, the nature of this call. And I phoned Ron, and I played the call for him, and he went, he went through the roof. His wife, Shirley right through the roof and i said look let me you know they want me to call the cops and to me the cops have i know the cops have way better things to do on new year's eve than worry about a prank call and so i left it and uh, didn't uh, i said well you know let me think about it and I'll, I'll call you back and i thought about it and i phoned the number back and uh a person answered and i ascertained that the person 
had borrowed their phone, had lent their phone to somebody else to make a phone call. And uh, everybody involved had been drinking heavily. The call said was like a, a polite female voice. And it said, hi, I'm calling from the Society of Cheap Jews. We're just taking a survey to see if you're a cheap Jew too. Oh, and we just got one reference on you. So Marty, yes, you're a cheap Jew too. You've been declared a cheap Jew. Yay! Take care of yourself now, you cheap Jew. That was the phone call. That was the end of my New Year's. I'm writing a column about how the golden age is over. Yeah. And I get a phone call because of the leadership role I've taken in Jewish journalism, in reporting these things in our community. And Ron, by the way, has gotten some action lately too. Yeah. And this is what happens to those of us that put ourselves at the forefront. Uh, and and uh, this is as good a reason as any to explain why this requires the support. And I want to speak directly for a moment, Sheila, not to the, sure. the broader community of your viewers who know I'm aligned with you on many, many political issues, particularly as, as people in Western Canada. Your Jewish viewers, in particular, I want to address. We are treated as outcasts in the work that we do by the Jewish establishment in Winnipeg. They are scared of anybody who draws attention, I guess because they don't want to get a phone call where they're called a cheap Jew. I guess because they don't want their families harassed. I guess because they don't want to walk up uh, on Portage and Maine to a rally and be accused of being a Zionist. But between working on the expansion of Shomrim, which is obviously necessary for the safety of our Jewish communities in this country, including places where Shomrim is probably is probably more needed in, in, I'll give you an example, probably more needed in Hamilton yeah. than it is in, in Vancouver in some ways. Yeah. The Jewish leadership of our country is not taking the bull by the horns. They are in, interested much more so in building their own fiefdoms, building their own silos, feathering their own nests. We're busy going broke doing this stuff for the last yeah. year. It, for those of you especially, we've heard from some in Winnipeg who've cut back their donations to the Jewish Federation because they aren't happy if Federation doesn't speak out on things and some of their programming. You know, they're great at delivering services for old, you know, the old folks' homes. I, I'm not arguing that. They're in the social service delivery field. They aren't in the keeping Jews safe and informed business. Yeah. That's our business. And in 2020, for this to continue, I am beseeching you I don't do this lightly, and I didn't tell Sheila I was going to do this. No. <laughs> but particularly your Jewish viewers, Jewish viewers of The Rebel, which so often addresses issues. David Menzies has more balls than any Jewish reporter in this country. When you step over that line and you start exposing Jew hatred, you start exposing anti-Zionism for what it is, the intention to eradicate the Jewish people from the face of the earth yet again, the Jewish establishment in Canada and in America too, but in Canada will not tackle this and they won't support anything that doesn't have their own fingerprints on it and they won't put their fingerprints on anything that actually stands up on their hind legs and says, can I say this on your program? Go screw yourselves. You're not pushing us around anymore. We're not going to be bullied. We're not going to have our, our political beliefs, our, 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 uh, 
our belief in a democratic Jewish state assailed as being colonial, white, and all that other crap. And so for this work to continue and to flourish, I'm asking you, especially those of you that have cut back in your favors to the Jewish Federation and the old time organizations, this is our future in our hands, as my editorial indicated. And when you go backwards, what do you see? Hitler Youth, copycat facts, anti-Semitic facts sent to Jewish offices, our safety's in our hands. That is the last four stories that we put up. You can see them on the J.ca. Your support is essential to this work continuing. And whether it's by advertising on the J.ca, and we have readership outside of Winnipeg. It's across the world now following mm -hmm. these stories, understandably. Uh, whether it's through sponsorship, uh, whether it's through uh, a, a direct contribution, uh, uh, whether it's earmarked for the journalism side or for the organizing the chapters, the Shomrim chapter side, because there's going to be expense in terms of vest, communication devices, handbooks, um, meeting with uh, area officials, with making sure there's good relationships with police, etc. This is going to require backing. It's going to require resources. You may have resources available to you outside of, you know, I'm not saying, you know, write a check like it's bar, my bar mitzvah. But if you've got resources that can help us, aside from the finances, step forward, contact me. Go through the, the newspaper website. You'll see my email address. You'll see how to contact myself and Ron East. And get involved. And get involved today. So if you can help, if you can contribute, if you can make a donation, if you want to run an ad series, whether it's for your business or to just voice your support, or to send a message to your local federation, uh, Jewish federation, or whatever. Please, please, I'm asking you, contact me. Well, Marty, I think what you do is such a valuable resource um, for the Jewish community in Winnipeg, and, and you know, not good for my blood pressure, apparently. <laughs> no, but you know how I feel about people who tell the other side of the story. Marty, I want to thank you so much for your time. I've taken up a lot of it, <laughs> and we'll have you back on the show really soon. I don't think the people of Winnipeg are as progressive as the rest of us are led to believe. I just think they are vastly underserved by their mainstream media. And we are vastly underserved by the mainstream media who are telling the stories of Winnipeg. And that's why I think what Marty does is so great. He fills a void on the secular side, but he also fills a void telling the other side of the story in his career as a Jewish journalist also. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time in the same place next week. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.